uh, we are looking at a blessing in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. And if you've read Pew Bible, you'll find that on page 1167. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. And I'll, I'll read that to you. Paul says, Finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Well, no doubt you've been, well, some of you, I guess, will have been watching the, the Commonwealth Games of these last fortnight. And there were two athletic races this week that really caught my attention. And I enjoyed watching. The first was uh, Lindsay Sharp winning the 800 metres. Now, not normally somebody who gets silver gets so much attention. But the way she won it uh, was, was quite remarkable. Because not only had she battled injury that, that year, the previous, that night, she had been in hospital on a drip, puking her guts up. And she managed to get enough energy to, to run two laps around the athletic track to win the silver gold medal. She said, I hadn't slept for 12 hours and I was throwing up all night and I had a drip in my arm. Who would have thought somebody who was in that condition could have won a silver medal? The other race that caught my attention was uh, Libby Clegg, the other Scottish athletic uh, runner. Uh, in the T12, the, in the 100 metres visually impaired race. And there she won gold. And there you saw her running down this track with her companion as they held this, this baton together. And she ran over the line. Now, I thought, what I thought was remarkable about those, those two races, one, was first that Lindsay Sharp had, had mentioned great thanks about her team and her parents and all the people who managed her to get her there and able to run the race. Ultimately, it was down to her. It was only her who was going to be able to win the race. But with Libby Clegg, she needed her partner to, to keep her in the tracks. She, she needed um, the Mikhail Huggins to make sure she stuck to her lane and was able to cross that finish line. And I think that's a bit like our verse here tonight as, as, that we've just read. Uh, here, Paul is asking the Corinthians to do something pretty hard. But also, he promises them that God is going to be with them. God is going to be like uh, Libby Clegg's uh, companion and to keep them to, to the tracks. Now, if you've, been, if you've been following our series in blessings through the Bible, you will realize that when blessings are given, they're not just nice words just to make us feel good. They're, they're words given because there's something hard to do. So there, there's the blessing given to the Israelites as they have to travel to the promised land. There's that blessing we looked at a few months back in Peter where the Christians are suffering persecution and Peter gives them this blessing to encourage them to keep going. So the question is, why, why does Paul give this blessing to the Corinthians? Well, if you know anything about the Corinthians, you may know, you know, may, may know why. Um, let me introduce you to the Corinthian church. There are, there are two groups in the Corinthian church. There are the, the halves. These are the, the people who are uh, dressed in the pinstripe suits or uh, uh, the anthropology clothing. Uh, they, are, they, are, they are the elite. 
they're interested in success and status. Um, that's, that's, that's the haves. And then you have the have-nots. These are the folk who are cleaning the toilets and uh, they, do their clean, they do their shopping in Aldi. They're, they're, the, they're the low people. And there's these two groups in this church and there's great tensions between those two groups. Look a bit closer, you'll see that some of the prominent people, well, the way they're behaving is pretty shocking. The guy up front, he's having an incestuous relationship with his father's wife. There's lots of sexual morality going on. There's, uh, the, 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 the haves are arriving and they're gobbling up all the foods and not waiting for the have-nots. There's great problems in the Corinthian church. Um, not only are there great problems in the Corinthian church, but they don't think much of Paul, who was the, the guy who founded them, who set this church up. This is what they have to say about Paul. They say, his letters are weighty and strong, but his body presence is weak and his speech of no account. See, the Corinthians, they like, they like orators. They like people who are, who are interesting to listen to. But when, Pete, when Paul turns up, well, he's just, he's just not very remarkable. They even accuse him of, of, uh, of being indecisive. He can't make his mind up. Sometimes they say, oh, I'm going to come to you, and well, he never appears. They accuse him of uh, taking money by the back door, thinking that he's getting money from Timothy, despite, refu- despite Paul refusing to take their money. This is a church with lots of problems, and they don't get on very well. And so part of the reason why Paul has wrote, wrote to Corinthians is part of a defense of who he is, he's a is um, an apostle, but a part of a, a charge to them to, to get on. And so he, these are his last words to them. He says, brothers, aim for perfection. What he means there is aim for res- reconciliation. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And if we look at the Corinthian church, we might think to ourselves, well, we're not like them. That, that's pretty shocking. But actually, in fact, we are a lot more like them than we think. Because we, uh, we, we quite like success. We quite like to be respected. Uh, we live in a culture that's still got class problems. Um, we uh, still have problems in our relationships. Still um, struggle to get on with people. So my question is, what enables us? How does this verse help us to live with peace with one another? Well, I want you to look at some, some, we're going to look at some words here. And the first word I want you to capture your attention is the word brothers. For as, as the Corinthians have said pretty horrible things to, to Paul, that he's just not very remarkable, Paul can still say at the end of his letters, brothers. They are very affectionate words. He, he, while he has some hard things to say to them, he still loves them and he still desires to have good relationships with them. Um, so that's the first challenge to us as, as Christians, as, we, as, people, as our Christian friends fall out with us and we get, come into tensions. The challenge Paul sets for us is we must remember that they are our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We must never draw that line between one another that says, you are my enemy. I'm in competition with you. I'm going to get even with you. No, we must remember that we're brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Um, as we looked, um, as, as Lindsay Sharp ran that race, uh, the camera saw that she had some things scribbled on her, her, um, her fists. And they were, commit and get a strong start. 
Well, Paul here gives us some, a verse to write on our fist when we are struggling with our relationships. We need to write, brothers, aim for reconciliation. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love will be with you. As we, as we look at our fists, we need to remember that we must aim for reconciliation. Now, aim for reconciliation doesn't mean that we're always going to repair those relationships. But it does mean that we need to make the effort to move towards our Christian brother. We need to be, even if it's just using kind words, even if it's using a word, hello, Paul is urging the Corinthians here to think about how they move forward, how they move towards one another. How, we need to think about ways, how can we live in peace? How can we not provoke our Christian brothers and sisters? Um, there's lots of ways that we, that we try, and th- these are the ways I think we often uh, operate when people hurt us. Um, we, we use hurtful words. Uh, we play the victim. We get defensive. We cut the person off. We stop talking to them. Um, we sulk, we get moody, and the one I do the most often is listen to that inner defense lawyer, that one who champions my cause and who brings all the past so that I can use it to get even with, with my, my brother and sister who I've fallen out with. Paul says, you've got to put these things away. You've got to look at ways of living at peace with one another. Now, peace does not come naturally to us. It's not our natural instinct. Our natural instinct is to do those things, isn't it? It's to get angry. It is to get bitter. It is to draw those lines. So what hope is there for us? Well, there's the, there's the promise, isn't there? And Paul says, if you engage in those peaceful things, if you try and work hard at your relationships, then he says, the God of love and peace will be with you. The God who is the source of love, the God who is the source of peace, Paul promises will be with us. When those relationships are difficult, they're tense, they're making us not sleep well at night, we need to turn to this verse and remember that God is with us if we engage in trying to move towards those we've fallen out with. Why is this important? Um, In 1820 in New Zealand, there was an Anglican clergyman conducting a Christmas Day service. And the verse that he was preaching from was Luke 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he has pleased. And after he preached, there was communion. And there was a remarkable scene there, that communion service. For present at that service, there were two Kimori chiefs. One chief was called Termatu. Tarmati, don't I say that correctly? But he was seen trembling as he was coming to the Lord's table. And after the service, somebody approached him and asked him why he had been trembling. At the same time, Tamari was, and, and Tamari said this, at the same time as I was coming forward, there was another man called Panath, chief of another tribal group. And Panath had in former years killed and eaten Taramachi's father because he had been a cannibal and Taramachi said it was only the gospel that given him a new nature that could make him eat the same bread and cup of the one 
who had murdered his own father. Why does this matter? Because the gospel is about reconciling two to one. God has reconciled reconciled himself with us. And the way we show that is the way we reconcile ourselves with one another. The gospel asks us this question. If Christ can do this, why can't you live with other people? Well, if we're finding that difficult, then let, let me encourage you to meditate on 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Because it tells us how to live peaceably, and it promises that God will be with us.